0: Good morning. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, which is page 687 in your pew Bible, if you're using one of those. We've been in a series this new year on the four pillars of our church. In other words, the things that we believe are most important, the things that we want to focus on, the things that we never want to forget, the things that we want to practice uh, and continue to make a priority. Uh, on New Year's Day, Pastor Kevin talked about the Great Commission. What is the plan for 2017? It's the plan for forever for Christians, but uh, what's the plan? The plan is to make disciples of all nations. Uh, the week after I talked about global outreach, I talked about how God blesses his church with Christ so that the church would be a blessing to the nations. And then right after that, I went to Togo. Um, The following week, Steve preached on community from Hebrews 12. The week after that, uh, Kevin spoke about discipleship and how Christ in you, the hope of glory, he's, he's changing us, he's working within us, and he's making us like him, like Jesus. Last week, we learned about community and what the first Christian community did. They got together, they they broke bread, they worshiped God. Uh, No one had any needs. If anybody had needs among them, the community would take care of them. And a funny thing happened, many were drawn to them. People were added to their number daily, those who were being saved, who were being saved by Jesus. Today we're going to talk about local outreach. And really the question is, how are we as a church to view our unbelieving neighbors? And what are we going to do, or what should we do about it? Now I know that not all of our neighbors, when you think about your neighborhood, or your apartment building, or where you live, not all of your uh, neighbors are unbelievers. But uh, by and large, we live in a world where people don't prioritize Jesus. He's not uh, their Lord and Savior. They're, They're still ultimately living for themselves, and they don't know the good news, or maybe they know it but they don't deem it important right now. What I really want us to do today is look at what Jesus did and how he, how he saw the crowds, how he saw people who were in need and how he ministered to them and really how he ministers to us and how we can receive that message, receive the good news of him coming to us. And as we're changed by that, we can reach out to others in love. So please look with me. Uh, Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. This is God's Word. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Would you pray with me once more? Lord, we pray that as we think about your word right now, as we hear it, as uh, we meditate upon it, that we would see, Lord, what you're doing in our midst, uh, Lord, reaching out to us and then... Uh, urging us to reach out to others. So we pray that you would be changing us, and as you change us, Lord, uh, that you would use us to reach our neighbors uh, right around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we know that we have a commission from Jesus to make disciples of all nations. Again, last month I I spoke about God's mission to the world, his, his desire that all the nations would be reached. And you even sent me to Togo to reach others, really to find out what God was already doing there and how we could help and be a part of that. An interesting thing happened in Togo as we were there, we were often in the van traveling to different churches, and we would tell stories and, and you know have a lot of laughs and uh, if you know Carter, if you know Carter Martin, uh, he's a funny guy and he likes to tell stories, and uh, he's a good guy to know and he told me the story of how he became connected to grace. Uh, he had a friend in school, and he would often spend the night at his house on Saturday night. And his family was a Christian family, and they would always go to church. And Carter would come with them, and really through that interaction and through his exposure to this church, he put his faith in Christ and became a committed disciple, and now he and his fiance Katie are preparing to go on the mission field. It's awesome how God works through ordinary ways just through a friendship and through God working through people. It's, it's incredible to see, but it was interesting how I was in Togo riding down the road and hearing the story of how God was working in this church. And even what we learned about in Togo and how they are wanting to plant many churches, it reminded me of, of how God has worked through Annapolis EP and planted all these churches in the Annapolis area. And we know that we came um, as a plant from that church so it's amazing how God works locally even as he's working globally you know across the ocean and, and, and in small villages where churches are just getting started it's not much different from our own story now we know that God blesses us to be a blessing to the nations he's sending out missionaries all over the world but what about what about our neighbors what about um, what about south Anne Arundel County and that neighbor across the street, or the coworker that you eat lunch with, the kid who sits next to you in English class, or that friend on the swim team. What does God's mission have to do with them? And what does God's mission have to do with you reaching them? That's really what we're talking about today. Local outreach is simply reaching out in love to our neighbors with the gospel and showing them deeds of, of, of kindness. Showing them good deeds and presenting to them the gospel as we have opportunity to do so. And I believe the more that we understand how God comes reaching out to us, how he comes into our world, into our brokenness, when we see how he has loved us, then we'll be, we will be moved as he was moved to reach out to his world. The more we understand how God came reaching out to us, the more we'll, we will be moved to reach out to our neighbors. So, what do we need to know? First, Our neighbors are loved. As we think about local outreach, we must consider that our unbelieving neighbors are loved. Verse 36, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Literally, he was moved with compassion when he saw them and the condition that they were in. Now in a moment, I'll talk about that condition more. But think about your neighbors for a moment. What comes to your mind when you think about them? Is it like this? Like a good neighbor, stay over there. (laughs) Is that our attitude? Our lives are so busy. We're so driven by our our work and our activities. We are so tired by the time we get home that we don't leave much time to think about our neighbors. You know, we kind of, you know, we pull into the driveway, we pull on the street, and we, we sort of get into our house as quickly as possible because we're so exhausted. Uh... We don't even think about our neighbors that much. I think more often than not, our attitude to our neighbors is apathy. You know, we'll wave to them when they drive by, or we'll say hello if we're outside at the same time. But honestly, and I'll speak for myself, we don't, I don't make as much time for them as I think I should. I think I'm often so focused on my goals and my schedule that I fail to look around and see them and see the love that God has for them. What's that memory, what's that Bible verse that most of us know? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do we look around at our neighbors and see a bunch of whoever's? Perhaps they, if they hear the good news of the gospel, if they receive the kindness of their friendly neighbor, what if they hear the gospel and what if God might use you uh, to point them to Christ? Um, Jesus understands our weakness. He understands our tendency to love those who can only do something for us. Often, those are the people that we make time for, the people who we think can benefit us in some way. Here's what he said earlier in uh, Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous if you love those who love you what reward will you get are not even the tax collectors doing that and if you greet only your brothers what are you doing more than others do not even pagans do that be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect didn't we conclude last week's worship service by singing they will know we are Christians by our love right is this how our neighbors think about us and do they even know that we're Christians? Um, even think about your, your Facebook feed or your social media thing. Do, they, do our neighbors and our friends see us more about, I don't know, do they think our political views are prominent? Or do they see Christ as prominent? Do they see us as antagonistic toward them? Or do they see us as reaching out in love? Now, honestly, it would probably do us a lot of good uh, to get off of social media for a while and actually get to know some people uh, instead of trying to fight so many of those battles. Not that they're unimportant, but uh, what's important is the people that God has put around you, and to reach out to them in love. Um, I think it's really important, and God does too. He, God, God loves everyone. Right now, people, uh, our neighbors woke up. They perhaps enjoyed good food. They have families. And all these things are are gifts of God's love that they can enjoy, even if they don't recognize him, even if they don't worship him. This is the way that God loves our world, and we need to imitate him. It says, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, we can't be perfect as God is, but we can imitate his character toward our neighbors, toward the people in our community, uh, by showing the kind of kindness that God shows to them. So once we embrace the truth that God loves our neighbors and treats them kindly, then we begin to feel the weight of their condition, the condition that our neighbors are lost. Why was Jesus deeply moved with compassion toward the crowds? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. One commentator writes this, The crowds appeared as sheep without a shepherd, distracted and dejected. Now, when I say that our neighbors are lost, I'm referring to their spiritual condition. Now, I admit that this may seem, um, I don't know, uh, prideful or, or arrogant to say that, that you are lost if you don't know Christ, if you're not a believer. But when I say that, I, I, I put myself in that place, and all Christians put themselves in that place. When we think about ourselves before a holy God, our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned in the garden... And brought the whole human race into a state of sin and misery. We forfeited our relationship with God as the Lord of our lives. And chose to put ourselves in that primary position. We, Ever since that point, we naturally look to ourselves to bring happiness and peace. We think that we can do that apart from God. And this is who we all are naturally. Me, my neighbors, all of you. This is who we are. We've chosen to worship and serve the creation rather than serve the creator. God in his mercy didn't send them away, Adam and Eve that is, to eternal punishment the moment that they sinned. Now he said that when they sinned they would surely die. At that moment they died spiritually, or at least they became spiritually dead. But God gave a promise to Adam and Eve. God said, "Um, the serpent will not The one who tempted them. The serpent won't prevail. But the seed of the woman, the one who would come from Eve, would crush the serpent's head. In other words, he would undo the damage that Adam and Eve did when they sinned. When they brought sin into the world. And they needed simply to trust in that promise in order to be saved by the one that God would send. That was the one piece of good news. That God would send a savior We are lost, each one of us, until we are brought back into communion with God through his Son. Until we receive forgiveness and restoration through Jesus. This is who we are apart from God. And God in his kindness sent this Savior, even though he didn't have to. It was his love that motivated him to do so. And this is what we receive when we we become Christians. It's that God in his kindness sent his Son, even though we didn't deserve it. And he brings us back into relationship with God, back into fellowship with him. Now, there were shepherds in Jesus' time, the shepherds that he's referring to, not literal shepherds, but religious leaders who were supposed to take care of the sheep. And there weren't a shortage of these, but these leaders failed to do what Jesus was doing. That is, he truly ministered to them, teaching them, healing them, preaching the gospel to them, and it stood out. And many, many people came to him. He came to people who were harassed and helpless. He loved first and he ministered to them. He didn't judge them for the condition that they were in. He came to them and he loved them. He ministered to them. Now, who are the shepherds that we are tempted to follow today? Again, when I think of a shepherd, I think of someone who's supposed to lead us to peace and to hope and to contentment. Now, one of the shepherds that we're tempted to follow is uh, perhaps the keeping up with the Joneses shepherd. That shepherd who tells us if you just have as much as your neighbor or maybe like a little bit more than your neighbor, you'll be happy as long as you're doing slightly better than average. We may not articulate it that way, but this is often the way that we think. We have uh, perhaps a lack of contentment and we look around and we say, oh, if I could only have what they have, then I can have peace. Or uh, the shepherd that says, as long as you're uh, as beautiful or more beautiful than average or if you're more popular or if you get more likes on your social media, then you'll have peace and joy with the attention and the admiration of others. This is another shepherd that we're tempted to follow. Or uh, perhaps the shepherds that you often see on TV who tell you God's will for you is to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And if you have enough faith and if you send me money, then you'll have peace. Peace. Jesus says, no. I minister to people. I reach out to them. I I spend time with them. I teach them the gospel. I heal them. This is what a good shepherd does. We are broken. When we as Christians reach out to our neighbors, we're not saying that we're any better than them. We're saying, I'm more needy and broken than I realized, and that's why I need Jesus. That's why I have peace in him. That's why I I have joy even in the midst of suffering is that he takes care of me. It doesn't matter what I have. It doesn't matter if all of my dreams come true in this life. My biggest problem, me as a sinner before a holy God who should judge me, he comes to me, he comes down from uh, the judge's position in Christ and takes my place, taking taking my sin upon himself. And bringing me to God through his life, death, and resurrection. So our neighbors are loved by God. We see that clearly. Jesus demonstrates that. We see that they're lost. They were lost then when the shepherds who were supposed to be taking care of the people were not. We see it today, whether it's a rich person or a poor person or anyone in between. That we try to look to ourselves uh, for peace and for joy. Uh, But Jesus comes as a shepherd, uh, keeping his people. So our neighbors need to be found. They need to be saved. But third, we see that our neighbors need help. They need help and not judgment. Jesus' solution was to urge his disciples to pray for more workers to bring in the harvest. Jesus was overwhelmed by the fact that all these people were around, but there were few that were actually ministering. And this is a theme that was even in the Old Testament, when Moses would, would sit and he would, all the people would come to him, his father-in-law noticed this and said, hey, why don't you equip others to be shepherds so that they don't have to wait around to come to you all day? Equip these guys so that they can minister to the people. In another place, in 1 Kings, it says that the people were shattered or shattered, scattered like sheep without a shepherd, and it was a bad It was a bad state. Uh, These people need help. Jesus' plan for reaching out to a broken world was to send out ministers, the ordained kind as well as everybody else, to participate in bringing in a harvest of people for the glory of God. Some of these people just needed to hear the good news. They were lost. They were helpless. And as Jesus came, he reached them. And if they trusted in him, they were saved. They had life. He ministered to them, and his plan was to send out these disciples. He said, first pray, but then the next chapter, he actually sends them out. So they were part of his plan to minister to people. Now, what are some of the ways that we reach out to our neighbors here? As a church, on Saturday mornings, we have the food distribution, and from that came the Grace Cafe, which is right back there in the narthex. Folks can come in and, and get a pastry and coffee and conversation with folks from our church love them and want to talk with them and uh, that's one of the ways that we reach out Uh, a few times a month we send a group over to the chris lee nursing home which is right down the road Uh, folks who 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 can't get out but need to hear the message of god's grace and god's comfort we'll be going out there today Uh, we have the fall festival that we do every year vacation bible school these are all ways that we invite the community to come in we want to be a blessing to them we want them to hear the gospel we want to help them in any way that we can But our neighbors need help. Jesus tells us to pray. This is a God sized job. None of us can do this ourselves. Uh, We need his help. We need more people to be sent out, is what Jesus said. But we should also be willing to share. Now, I don't want to put an uh, unnecessary burden upon you that you need to be uh, on the street corner in Annapolis, standing up on a stool, preaching the gospel. Uh, that's probably not for everyone. But if you think about it, each Sunday we're here and we hear the gospel presented in a variety of ways, but it's always the same message of God's saving grace to sinners through Jesus. Uh, You probably know more of the gospel than you know. And you may have the opportunity to share the good news of hope to someone. Uh, God may give you that opportunity perhaps when you least expect it. Uh, Sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do that. When we should simply pray and ask God to open someone's heart. Or even inviting someone to church is a a huge way that you can reach out to someone. That they can come and hear the gospel clearly. And so that these people would be reached. I came across an article called, No One Ever Came to Jesus Because a Christian Scolded Them. I don't know if that was your story. Most likely not. It's a pastor in Nashville. And he talked about the way that Jesus ministered to people. He didn't minister to people the way that uh, perhaps some Christians minister to them by, um, by just shouting out condemnation as kind of like that first point of contact. Um, he tells a story of, of the way that God enabled him and people in his church to reach out to people who are in need. He says, once when we were having a small prayer gathering with some friends, just before we began praying together, in came a couple we had never met and who had been invited by someone else in the group. The man, who I will call Matthew, was very drunk, and his wife had this, been through war, can somebody please help me? I'm dying inside, look on her face. As we prayed together, Matthew decided to chime in. His was a drunk prayer that went on for over 10 minutes. He prayed for some of the strangest things. God, protect us from the Klingons. God, I really want a Jolly Rancher right now. Will you send, will you please bring some Jolly Ranchers? God, please move my bananas to the doghouse. After the amen, everybody looked at me. What will the pastor do? Thankfully, I didn't need to do anything because a woman from the group full of love and situational intelligence offered Matthew a cookie. As a woman was giving him a cookie and entertaining conversation about Klingons and such, several others went over to his wife and begged for insight on how they could help the situation. This little interaction, this way of responding with love and no condemnation first, became one of the most transformative experiences I've ever witnessed. To make a long and wonderful story short, the kind-hearted offer of a cookie led to a tribe of people coming around the couple and their two young children Which led to a month in rehab, including prayers and support, as well as flights and personal visits to the rehab center by church members. Which led to sobriety, which led to a restored home and marriage, which led to Matthew becoming a follower of Jesus, which led him also becoming an elder of the church. And he says, to this day, after 18 years of pastoral ministry, Matthew may be the best and most impactful church elder I have ever worked alongside. Sometimes we think that we're an asset to God's team, like he's lucky to have us on our, our. Like he's lucky to have us or something. Each one of us is Matthew in this story. We may look different, our particular sins may be different, but none of us was looking for God. None of us is good in ourselves. Uh, none of us has all the right motives all the time. And this group of people who, who understood the gospel, understood God's love and his kindness, they weren't going to overlook what this guy was doing. It was a messed up situation. But their first instinct was to love and to reach out. And through those acts of kindness, this family was helped, and this family heard the gospel, and this family believed. And that's really our story. God reaches out to us in love uh, in, in all of our messiness, and all of our uh, being harassed and helpless, either by sins that we've committed or sins that have been committed by us or just the general fact of living in a sinful and broken world, there's brokenness. We are broken. And we come to Jesus and he heals us of our brokenness. Eventually, when we stand in his presence in heaven, but he's doing that progressively right now. Now, I don't know if you feel burdened by the fact of your your neighbors. I don't know if right now you're thinking, what can I do now to reach out to my neighbors? How can I do better? The message of the day is go out and do better and try harder to be a better witness to your neighbors. Uh, I hope you see in this passage the gospel, that this Jesus who looks out on the crowd as he looks out on your neighbors, he looks at your house and he looks at you and the people in your house, and he reaches out with compassion to you too. He isn't waiting for you to save a bunch of people. You can't save people anyway. He's the one who does it. But he looks at you in love. And when you trust in him, you're forgiven. Your failure up to this point to be a good witness to your neighbor the way that you should be, my failure to be a perfect witness the way that I should be, he sees me and he loves me and he forgives me. He knows the sins you struggle with. He knows everything. But this is the way... That he reaches out to you and me. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He reaches out in love to you and me, the sinner. And has the power to forgive, change, and renew us. That's why we're here. And that's why we want our neighbors to be here. This is the place where God changes us. This is the place where God works. I mean, he's working out in the world too. As we share his word, as we pray. But we are gathered here in Jesus' name Because we're harassed and helpless. Because we're difficult. Because we're unruly in a variety of ways. And Jesus comes and ministers to us. And then we want to reach out to this world. We want to show that kind of kindness. We want to show that kind of grace and love to our neighbors. Because we've received it in Christ. So have you received it? Are you still trying to gain acceptance with God based on what you've done? Or are you resting in the finished work of Christ and what he's done for you? And then you're reaching out. You want to reach out, not because you're trying to get God off your back, but you're reaching out because you understand his love for you and you love those who God has placed around you. That's what I'm praying for for myself. That's what I'm praying for for this church, that we would always be a place that cares not just for our own, but we also love and care for those outside of these walls and we want to do what we can to bring them into the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your compassion that you reach out to us in love. And you came to us when we weren't looking for you and accepted us and showed us that we needed you and showed us that we can trust in you to forgive us, to save us, to bring us into a relationship with you to become your children. I pray, God, that we would be thankful that the gospel has reached us, that Jesus, you have reached down and ministered to us and continue to do so. And I pray, God, that you would give us a heart for our neighbors, right in our neighborhoods and the different places where we live, that you would perhaps use us to minister to them and that this church would continue to be a place where Jesus is ministering right now through his spirit. And we ask all these things